You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. At times, it feels like the national media is absolutely desperate to not talk about the Titans and always desperate to talk about the Packers and why they've turned things around. Tonight becomes a big statement game for both sides of that in a Thursday night matchup that for once feels like it might be must-see TV. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Sarah, I am genuinely excited for the first time in what feels like two months. I'm genuinely excited for a Thursday night football matchup tonight between the Titans and the Packers because, frankly, both of these teams have so much on the line, so much to play for, and both of these teams are trying to assert where they belong in the overall power structure of the NFL in what feels like it could be a very good matchup. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie and say I wasn't excited for my Bears Thursday sure, night sure, sure, football, sure. and that proved to be a much more interesting game than some of the others, uh, though not great. Um, but there is something on the line here, and I think that's what you're getting at. There's been some bad games and games that didn't seem like they meant much. We all want to know what the Packers look like after that win over the Cowboys. We all want to know if the Titans actually have something here or if they've just been eking by despite some pretty obvious roster issues and challenges that we expected in the offseason and continued to question even with a record that they've got. So I think we could be in for some of those questions being answered. But Fitz, if you look at this season in the NFL – I think drawing major conclusions about most teams outside of a few crappy outliers and shining examples of goodness is foolhardy. I I think most of them are going to keep us guessing all season. Well, there's going to be a big difference between who's good and who makes the playoffs, right? Like, because we're not always going to say the same thing in this situation, but the Titans are clearly the cream of what looks like a bad AFC South, right? Like, I mean, so far it's theirs to lose. Uh, and, And they go into Lambeau tonight in a game that is going to be frigid. The temperature is going to be very, very low. It's going to be windy. It's everything you expect from the frozen tundra and all of the things that we talk about. But you've got a Derrick Henry Titans team that, frankly, has been winning despite their quarterback. I I mean, I'm not just saying this with Ryan Tannehill. They've won games with Malik Willis as well. And quarterback position has not just not been a strength. It's been an absolute disaster at times for this team, and it hasn't mattered because when you have Derrick Henry running the way he's running, eight yards off of the leaderboard for the best rusher in the NFL, everybody knows what's coming. Nobody can stop it. That's a strength, and the Packers, frankly, can't stop the run this year. So I think the Titans are going to come out on Thursday Night Football and make a national statement. I think tomorrow we're going to be overhyping Tennessee because I think they clearly win this football game. I think they will win behind the strength of that run game. And I think you're right. It's funny, you know, to take people behind the curtain when the show uh, prep was going on. I said, I remember us dogging the Titans early on when they started the season 0-2. There were so many questions about whether they had believed in this core a little bit too long, um, got rid of players that were going to be really necessary to make them a little bit more multiple, especially on offense. And... Here we are with a record we didn't expect, but when we went back and listened to those sound bites to make fun of ourselves, we weren't really wrong. The the takes were good. They have just won despite all of those issues. Yeah, if you go back and look at the teams that they've beaten, it's teams like the Colts twice, the Texans, the Raiders. They've beaten up on a lot of bad football teams. They beat the Broncos last week, but 
at some point, you got to give your tip of the cap to your point in a new NFL of being able to find ways to win. This is still a team where A.J. Brown has more yardage than the rest of the wide receivers combined. And it's a team that has struggled until the last two weeks to do much on the defensive side of the ball the way they want to. So I think they're they're rounding into form defensively to where they become a much tougher matchup. But what's most impressive to me is that, frankly, when you know what's coming, the whole stadium knows Derrick Henry's going to get the ball and you just can't stop it like that. I have to tip my hat to Mike Vrabel and the Titans overall in their ability to be predictable mm-hmm. and boring and still win football games. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. First of all, shout out to Vrabel, and I think he's gotten a lot of credit over the years already, but this season in particular, maybe it's in part because gas bags like us have to find a way to not be wholly incorrect about our expectations by saying he gets the most out of his roster out of anybody, right? We said they were going to suck, so it's got to be the coach doing magic tricks here instead of us just being wrong. But I also think, you know, you look at this this team, and, and like you said, we're going to find out whether he can continue to do that, even when teams are game planning for what they do well, even when teams match up well against what they do well. Um, and I don't know if the Packers are going to be really an example of that yet. Uh and the anal- the analysis ahead of this game is the Packers are really going to be trying to stop Derrick Henry, so it's going to really come down to Tannehill, and it's like everybody's always trying to stop Derrick Henry. It doesn't mean it's going to work, right? I, they still could be incredibly effective on the ground regardless of the Packers' game plan. I don't know if it will really tell us whether they can contend with the best teams. Yeah, I can walk into the gym and say, today I intend to dunk the ball on Michael Jordan, <laughs> and that doesn't mean it's going to happen. We didn't need to add on anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Dunk the ball on a four-foot rim on a third grader. I'd <laughs> yeah, still with have my struggles. Uh, yeah, uh, need, need some help. Maybe somebody to help prop me up. Uh, uh, we always try and prop up. The, it feels like the Packers and whatever they're doing. This is what Aaron Rodgers. Packers quarterback had to say about what happened for them offensively last week, but really what's sustainable from it. There's overreactions, you know, negatively and positively every single game you play. And uh, no offense, Tim, but, you know, like you haven't been the only one who's talked about sustainability and certain ways of winning and playing. Um, I think it's all week to week. It really is. You know, we, you know, you, you try and find your identity throughout the season. A lot of that is, you know, kind of just jargon to keep the conversation going. Uh, in fact, the most important identity is competitive greatness and going out there and playing your best when your best is needed. We hadn't played a four-quarter game uh, all season. I felt like that was really close uh, Sunday. I think he's working on his side job as like a Kirkland sign writer, you know, like where you go to one of those home stores and it's like love is good. Like, you know, the most important trait is competitive greatness or whatever. Uh, like, Sarah, I'm so over all of it. Yeah, I mean, I love how he's like, a lot of that's just jargon, and then he followed with, like, a bunch of BS that was unnecessary. <laughs> um, listen, man, whatever you got to tell yourself, and however you need to shrug and roll your eyes at questions that are pretty valid in order to reframe them in a way that feels much more intellectual for you, we'll just see what happens on the field. How about that? Yeah, you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper, it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. The fans are getting what they deserve when it comes to not having to sit out in what could be six feet of snow. In another big piece of news that we have today in the NFL, they have moved the matchup uh, this weekend between the Bills and the Browns into uh, they've moved it to Detroit. So at this point, the Bills headed indoor. They will be playing a, a home game. They have a chance to be the first team ever to play a home game in Detroit and go to a Super Bowl. How's that for snarky? Uh, <laughs> but the Bills will be in Detroit hosting uh, Cleveland for this one, Sarah. 
Yeah, I hope those uh, listeners from last night who said that they were driving to Buffalo for the game and it wasn't a great idea didn't start driving it. Um, by the way, we have a great story about some planes, trains, and automobiles uh, for someone that needs to be at this Browns-Bills game. But quickly, I just want to mention that I think this is a good thing for the Bills. And I've heard people go both ways on this. They're like, you know, if you've got a, a weapon like like uh, Josh Allen, you can be so unpredictable in snow. There's actually better footing for him to use his legs and tough for defense to react. I get that, but I still think... When you've got a guy as good as he is, you're also going to be a whole lot better when the the conditions don't make it chaotic. When you're just a better team with better players, you don't need to add in something that might throw off the competitive balance. So I think this is really good news for the Bills. Yeah, I totally agree. And by the way, as much as we can say, sure, you can have offensive unpredictability or whatever, I don't really care about this one game. If I'm the Bills, I care about the game, sure. But I care most about keeping Josh Allen healthy. Having a guy with a bad mm-hmm. elbow not play in the in, in six feet of snow just seems like that might be a good idea. So I think this is a, a big, big, big win for the Bills ahead of the matchup. In the meantime, though, it does raise a question we're going to ask you and a story you've got to hear about the wildest travel ever. <laughs> we'll tell what it is and how it pertains to this game next. Jesus, fits man. on ESPN Radio. <laughs> ridiculous spain and fitz the podcast let's go golly that feels good golly gee you know what just let it willikers what a delight let it snow (laughs) it's spain and fitz on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel 80 i know right now you probably wish you had a little bing and uh maybe some uh vinyl going but instead you're hanging out with us you you prefer who google it's a terrible joke really bad Oh, Bing. I remember the search. It looked at me like three hours later catching the joke. It's like a family guy I think bit. it still exists. Just because no one uses it uses it doesn't mean it did doesn't you, exist. Did you ever use Ask? What was it? There was one that was Ask, ask Jeeves? Jeeves? Yeah, Ask no. Jeeves was I mean, strong. actually, I'm sure I did back in the day before Google was, you know, the monopolistic dealer of all things information. <laughs> And on that note, Sir Spade, Jason Fitz, uh, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We were just mentioning the NFL has moved the Browns-Bills game uh, to Detroit due to a snowstorm. Now, uh, this is an anticipated snow that they've got, you know, state of emergency going. Uh, area expected to get multiple feet of snow over the course of Thursday night through Saturday night with thunder and other conditions also expected. The team said the decision to move the game uh, was done, quote, in consultation with the Buffalo Bills and late and local and state authorities as the region prepares for the storm. Now, I, I really got to be honest there. I wanted six feet of snow to fall during the game because I just <laughs> love the concept of, like, you start the drive and you're fine, and by the end of the drive, you're knee-deep in it. Like, that's kind of what I wanted. But if we're not going to get it, then at least we get the opportunity to see this game in Detroit. But it raises an interesting question for James Lofton. James Lofton, for anyone that uh, hasn't followed his broadcasting career, works as play-by-play on TV for CBS. So we find out from Andrew Catalan on CBS Sports was on Mad Dog Sports Radio today and check out what he told him about Lofton's travel. Lofton, your buddy, and Amanda Renner, who's on our golf crew and does a fantastic job. She's the sideline reporter for this game. They live in San Diego. They left San Diego this morning, had to connect in Detroit to fly to Buffalo. So they are on a flight right now from Detroit to Buffalo, and as soon as they land, they're going to turn their phone on and see they got to get in a car and drive back to Detroit. Oh, my God. I love it. Yes, sir. Okay, wait. Before we even react, do your best impression there. Oh, my God. I love it. 
Yes, sir. What? Oh, oh, let's go, can we try? Is that pretty good? Oh my God, I love it. Yes, sir. Oh, look at us. We're killing the Very good. Dogs. Point to Fitz, uh, but Sarah, I- Fitz I, nailed it. Fitz, Fitz absolutely nailed it. Uh, thank you. You know, <laughs> Mad Dogs is a legend, so uh, <laughs> whenever people tell me I have the most annoying voice on radio, I'm like, ah, wait. Uh, <laughs> we have, wait, know. I could be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and on that note, it's made and fit, sir. Now, so uh, what's funny about this is if you're James Lofton, you just got to Buffalo, and now you got to figure out how to get back to Detroit. And according to some reports, mm. there are no available flights. So now he's just getting in the car, going full planes, trains, and automobiles to get his way back. Yep. I can only hope yep. that somebody's singing polka, polka, polka as they get through there. Fitz, I, uh, I went to the Dallas Super Bowl where they were struggling with the airports and stuff, and they, they were using sand on the roads instead of salt, which didn't really work. The stadium wasn't finished. The red carpet was covered in icicles. It was a mess. But the problem was I need to get there early for this Gatorade sports science thing, and Chicago was simultaneously experiencing its own issue. So I had to get out of Chicago before what we called Snopra or Snowmageddon or Snowpocalypse. But later than the Dallas thing was happening. So I had to fly into Houston... Because Dallas wasn't ready to take flights and then drive there. And again, like I said, all of their streets had sand instead of salt. The chemical reaction is very different. The response is very different. Sand does not work. So it took me hours and hours and hours. So it feels like this, like that thing where I got to get there, whichever number of different vehicles and modes of transportation it takes. It's funny because there are really two travel stories in my life that I always think of in these situations. One is a cold one. Uh, we were touring when I was with the band Perry. We were touring up in Canada during the, uh, like, the whatever, the vortex, the polar vortex or whatever it was, where it was the coldest the coldest time they'd ever had in Canada. We were up there for six straight weeks. And we were playing hockey arenas in the middle of all this, which is the worst because, like, they took a, a digital thermometer uh, to my fiddle right before a show at one point, and it was, like, nine degrees as we Ooh. were playing. So it was so cold in the play. Like, I don't know how anybody lives up there. But love it. Beautiful. But I don't know how you handle it. But our bus broke down at one point because everything was too cold. And the whole thing shuts down. So, like, the band and crew bus was sitting on the side of the road. And I remember somebody called the management company, and they're like, well, you know, we'll just uh, just hang out there uh, on the bus. You'll be fine, and we'll send somebody tomorrow. And we're like, no. We ended up, like, because the bus was completely broken down, we had to, like, basically all cram together in the front lounge of the bus, and we had these huge blankets over it. We were uh, um, uh, as cold as I can ever be. So I, I always think of that with cold travel. But my worst, mm. my worst work travel, Australia, playing with Phil Vassar. Love you, Phil. You know I love you. But Phil had a show in Australia, and he was being cheap. My guy was being cheap. And so he traded in all of his miles so that he could fly the band and crew over without having to pay for it. So I was in a middle seat in the regular thing going from Nashville to Australia, which is like, uh, I don't know, like a 16, 17-hour flight. We land in Sydney. We get in a van. The van drives six hours to get to CMC Rocks the Snow. He's a festival. They take our gear out of the back of the van. They put it up on the stage. They plug my pedal board into the wrong uh, power so all of a sudden my electronics blow up i still play the no. show after the show we put the stuff back in the van we drive six hours directly back to the airport and then we take that 16 hour flight back 
all the oh, way no. to Nashville. I didn't even take a shower in Australia. I was there so little time, <laughs> but I was there on the it's flight. Cool. Just uh, a 20, 20 hour flight. Uh, somehow you managed to come back at the same time you left too, because the way things work in Australia, it was just like no time had passed. Uh, it's Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz talking about the Browns Bills game moving to Detroit quickly. I wanted to uh, bring up this great tweet from the Lions. Uh, they tweeted to the Bills and said, important numbers are by the phone. Lock up when you leave and please don't break the tables. Um, <laughs> quality from at Lions, but it had me wondering if any of our listeners have ever accidentally, maybe drunkenly, but not necessarily messed up someone else's house, car, property, stuff, uh, because the Bills are likely to leave no table unbroken. And I want to know if you've ever accidentally messed up someone's uh, home or otherwise. I, I, Went through a glass door, spilled something everywhere, br- busted their car, whatever it is. You, you got it. Have you, sir? You want to confess um, I mean, the one that comes to mind is pretty innocent. Oh, the one but that I was comes to mind, like there's multiple? Well, there or, might okay, be. Okay, I'm okay. sure there's more if I thought hard about it. Um... But I did, uh, I did babysit at a house with white carpet. I was like lounging and spilled the Diet Coke everywhere. Tried to clean it up, didn't do a great job, and just moved the footstool over it so that maybe they'd find it a couple of days later and blame, I don't know, the kids. That okay, that's pretty amazing. I I never did anything like that. I was always so risk averse with that stuff. But I will say, when I was a little kid and I was playing. Uh, for Ronald Reagan in Nevada at the time. And he was doing... Hashtag Humble Brag. Yeah, hashtag yeah. Humble Brag. And so I'm a little kid playing for Reagan. You had to have everything inspected first. And the Secret Service inspected my violin, as they should, right? Uh, come into play, and somebody dropped it, obviously. So the whole back of my violin was cracked. And they're like, oh, I, I, I don't know where Ooh. that happened. So I had somebody do that to me, but I've never actually uh, taken the other side of that. At least that I know of, but... I don't know. There's a lot of nights in my life I don't really remember, so that's for uh-huh. another time. Yeah, the Spain yeah, fits. Yeah, ahead. yeah. You were too young for that to be lost to the drunk memories, right? Though. <laughs> right, 100. percent Yeah, okay. no. That was that a, time you remember. That was a little kid thing. I remember that. Uh, so uh, you guys can tweet us at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz with some of your uh, thoughts on all of it. Obviously, we've been joking about it, but it is a big deal that this game moves indoors, Sarah. And uh, we mentioned it earlier, but I, I think you know outcome outcome one way or the other. Uh, the most important thing is to keep everybody safe. I am, however, bummed that I don't get to watch a snowmageddon uh, football game. Yeah. I, I, I would have been all in for watching these two teams play in six feet of snow. Yeah, I wanted to see all of it. I actually yesterday started looking at the rosters to see if one of them was significantly taller. Like, would one of them have more players who could see over the six feet of snow in an <laughs> res- absurd scenario where they didn't clean it off the field? Uh, it was looking good for the Browns. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, and our buddy, a lot of Mike, six footers and up. <laughs> our buddy Mike Golick Jr. yesterday tweeted. He's like, everybody talks about snow being perfect football weather. He's like, for the record, perfect football weather is like seventy four degrees, low humidity. <laughs> Spoken right. like a former player. You mm-hmm. know, I, who cares about you know that that? I want my enjoyment any way I can get it. All right. Can the Packers build off their victory against the Cowboys? We will ask one of our favorite experts and friends. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Oh, my God, I love it. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I just remembered a time I messed up someone's place. You're going to have to stick around to hear it later. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Let's welcome in ESPN NFL analyst and friend of the show, Mina Kimes. Mina, let's talk tonight's game quick before it gets underway. Do you 
believe that there will be a brand new looking Packers team coming off that Cowboys win? You know, I, I, I do think some of the things we saw are sustainable, notably the breakout of Christian Watson is really big for dictating how defenses can play the Packers and make them a little bit more reluctant to sit on routes, play man coverage. That said, uh, the Packers, as you remember, ran the ball an extraordinarily amount against the Cowboys, and that's just not a good strategy against the Titans defense that has been the best against the run in the NFL, which is remarkable. It feels like despite the fact that they've been battling injuries with Harold Landry at the beginning of the season, such a young cornerback group, Titans defense is so well coached, and I think they're going to give Green Bay a much more difficult time. The Titans have a lot of close wins over several teams that are maybe questionable, and the quarterback play hasn't been the best. How should we assess where this team is compared to the rest of the AFC? I think the Titans kind of, this is analysis guys, they are who they are. They are who they've always been. They are will continue to be that team. But it's actually really remarkable given the attrition, trading away A.J. Brown, injuries on the offensive line. I talked about the injuries on the defense. And yet year after year, they're just so consistent. Now, I would say what's a little bit different this year is that the offense has been pretty lackluster, um, regardless of who's playing quarterback, whereas the defense has been carrying this team. Uh, but I do think that offense, which, of course, is very hell-bent on running the ball, will have some success doing success. Pardon me, doing so against a Green Bay defense that um, did struggle to stop the run last week against Dallas and has done so all year long. At Mina Kimes is where you can follow her. What does it mean for Josh Allen and all of the concerns about his decision-making that the game will now be at the Lions Stadium, no risk of six feet of snow? Uh, does it change your expectations for the matchup? Yeah, that's a huge win for the Bills. Um, you know, the fact that it was going to be in the snow made me kind of waver because um, the Bills, you know, their defense is decent against the run, but they have struggled at times. Of course, that is the Browns' strength. And then on the other side of the football, the Bills cannot run the ball at all. So, you know, even though the Browns' defense is terrible against the run, I, I would think playing in the snow would help them because the Bills are so much more likely to beat them through the air. But now you're going to a dome where even with Josh Allen's injuries, even with the bad decision-making, um, it just is such better conditions for him to, you know, throw the deep ball, which he's still capable of doing, as we've seen. Mina, we talked a little bit about the Browns yesterday and how difficult it's going to be for all of us to figure out how to cover Deshaun Watson when he comes back. But from a football standpoint, yeah. as much time as he's missed, what are the realistic expectations for Watson as a football player when he comes back? Boy, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. We saw him very briefly in the preseason. He looked pretty rusty, but it's the preseason, so it doesn't mean much. Um, I, you know, as far as his surroundings go, this is still a good offensive line. And I think the receiving group is better than maybe we would have thought, especially if David Njoku's back. He's had a really, really good year at that for them at tight end. But combination of Mari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones is not a bad one. So, you know, without knowing what Watson looks like, you know, uh, just seeing how Brissett has played in this offense makes me think that they should be able to continue rolling. Mina Kimes is with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. The Cowboys fall to the Packers, and we start to revisit maybe a conversation that fell off in the offseason as we were worried about their roster, and then we were worried about Dak's injury. They've thrived despite all that controversy, but now we might be back at wondering, like, is McCarthy going to screw things up? What can Dak do in tough situations? Do you trust this team as a true contender with Dak at the helm, all the pieces that they have when it comes playoff time? I trust them mostly because I just think the NFC is pretty even. 
Um, I do think still the Eagles are the best team in football, but obviously they're very vulnerable against the run, which they tried to address uh, with some additions and free agency signing Livall Joseph and Dominican Sue. But the Cowboys are a very, very good rushing team, uh, which I think helps them as far as that matchup goes. You know, the loss to Green Bay, it didn't dramatically change my opinion of them, but I think you walk away from that thinking, okay, Dak has to, um, I would I'd say the total offense maybe can afford to be a little bit less aggressive since the interceptions were kind of on the wide receivers. And then defensively, you know, I was actually pretty underwhelmed by a pass rush that I thought was the best in the league. And, of course, we saw Dallas struggle to stop the run, too. So I think they're flawed, but I think most of the teams at the top of the NFC are flawed, so it doesn't rule out a playoff run for me. So stick in the NFC uh, for a second because, obviously, you know the Seahawks better than everybody, and now we get all this uh, sort of hype coming for the 49ers. How does the West shake out in your mind? I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC West. Uh, they're the most balanced team, the best defense far and away. Uh, and I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey, even if, you know, you're coming off a game where you didn't have much production, you can already see what it's doing for Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, not only just giving him a check down option, but giving another thing for defenses to look at who already have way too much to look at when it comes to the San Francisco offense. And Garoppolo's playing pretty good football. Uh, you know, I don't think he's necessarily elevating the offense. And I think against the Chargers, there was some uh, you know, he, he played a really good game. And was, uh, I thought pretty effective on third down, but there were some missed opportunities as there often are. But when you just look at this team from top to bottom, they're just so complete that I feel like they run away with it with the Seahawks coming in second. So you say that you have the Niners as the best in the NFC. Who is your cream of the crop in the AFC? Oh, well, I, I would say the Niners after the Eagles, definitely the best in the NFC West. As far as the AFC goes, it's the Chiefs. It's always been the Chiefs. It'll always be the Chiefs, same <laughs> as it's ever been. Uh, but yeah, yeah, come on, man. I mean, just, Week after week, I was watching their game against Jacksonville a couple of days ago, and it's a game that we won't talk about that much. It beats Jags, whatever. But just on a down-to-bound basis, Patrick Mahomes not only makes just crazy throws that, it, you know, it's a little bit of a trope, but if any other quarterback maybe we'd be talking about, but it's also the offensive brilliance, the game planning, their usage of personnel to dictate defenses. They're just a buzzsaw on offense. And I think defenses, they've struggled, but – I think they're going to get better. I like the rookie cornerback, Trent McDuffie, coming back, and they get Frank Clark back on top of the pass rush soon. So I think that unit will be better as the year goes along. Who's the biggest threat at this point to the Chiefs in the AFC? I still think it's the Bills. Um, I know it's close with the Dolphins just because that offense is such a high-powering group. But I think people are actually kind of sleeping on the Bills now. I know that sounds weird to say, obviously, because coming into the season with them being so dominant. But – They've just been so banged up. And, yeah, some of those players, you know, obviously losing Micah Hyde for the season is uh, brutal. But they're going to get reinforcements. Travis White should hopefully return at some point. Jordan Poyer hopefully back this week. There's safety, starting safety, uh, Greg Rousseau as well at edge. And then offensively, you know, it, it really just comes down to Josh Allen's decision-making. Their inability to run the ball doesn't concern me too much um, because the offense is otherwise so high-powered. Mina Kimes is with us here on Spain and Fitz. At Mina Kimes is where you can follow her. Obviously, watch her on Around the Horn, the Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny, uh, all sorts of other places, NFL Live, all over. Um, Mina, there's been a lot of bad football. Tom Brady admitted to it and has contributed to it. Do you still have faith in Tom Brady and the Bucks or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Do either of those teams make enough of a push to be contenders? I think the Bucks are still in it. I never really lost faith in them, frankly, um, more so than the Packers, because with, when I watched them, it wasn't so much an issue of personnel, although there's, you know, definitely losing Shaq Barrett hurts on defense um, and the interior of the offensive line has been an issue. But it was kind of a matter of execution and play calling. And I think on in the Seattle game, 
Um, they really landed on a formula that works, uh, especially when it comes to leaning more on play action, buying Brady a little bit more time, going to their rookie running back, Rashad White. All this feels sustainable to me. Um, of course, they have to stay healthy, but as long as Tom Brady is comfortable and protected, he still plays like a top quarterback in the NFL. So, Mina, real quick, we were talking about the coach of the year conversation the other day just in the halls, uh, me and Harry Douglas, right? And when you start talking about the fact that Dable's in that and Mike McDaniel's mm-hmm. in that and Kevin O'Connell's in that conversation, how long now in the modern NFL does it take before you know if you've got your head coach? Ooh, that's a great question because Thank we you. have seen what hit wonders backfire. A player like our coach, for example, like I don't know, Freddie Kitchens recently in Cleveland who comes in halfway through the season and seems to turn things around, but then the next year it all falls apart. So I would say you really need a couple of seasons. Um, you know, Brian Dable, though, however, is my coach of the year pick just because I feel like he's done the most with the least, candidly, uh, and was just absolutely surpassed every possible expectation for this team. And then when you watch them, so much of their success, you can really point to coaching, whether it's the discipline um, or the scheme on offense. Awesome stuff, as always, Mina. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Mina. Thanks, guys. Bye. Always love chatting with our friend Mina Kimes. At Mina Kimes is where you can follow her. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up week 11 in the NFL. Some interesting matchups to chat about. We'll preview them next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We are getting some uh, hilarious and unfortunate examples of y'all messing up your friends' houses, boats, cars, belongings. We'll get into that later. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz to add your own story of accidentally or drunkenly or potentially intentionally. I would hope not, but messing up someone else's stuff. That's in honor of the Bills uh, breaking all the tables at Ford Field as they take over Detroit Stadium to face the Browns with snow forcing them out of Buffalo. That's just one of the games coming up this week. And it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. There are other games we want to get to, too. One of them is Cowboys-Vikings, an 8-1 and Vikings team. Uh, Fitz, uh, after I said I wasn't super impressed by their strength of schedule as they had not beaten a single winning team other than the Dolphins without Tua, they went on to have a huge win and someone told me to eat bleep on Twitter. So I guess they showed me with the one win. I, you know, we'll I, I'm going to take us off the rails for a second. <laughs> I will never understand in my entire life why there's a whole group of people that are like, Oh my God, you were wrong about this game. I'm going to come talk. Like, I'm just not the type to celebrate that way. Like, on the rare occasions that my beloved Raiders win, I want to go celebrate with other yeah. Raiders fans. I don't want to go yeah. find somebody that's a Broncos fan and trash right. them. I'm just not wired. I also like that. picked the Vikings if Josh Allen wasn't playing and then he did end up playing. But I mean, anyway, we don't have to relitigate that. We'll just oh, say fair. that it would be a nice, good victory for them if they beat the six and three Cowboys. Cowboys, of course, have been a team that we buried after week one and have have risen. Um, And yet still some are critical, particularly of Dak. And Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, was on 105.3 The Fan reacting to what our own Stephen A. Smith had to say about the Cowboys' weak link. Yesterday he said Jerry Jones has not gotten his money's worth out of Dak Prescott. He could be this team's weak link. What would you say back to Stephen A.? I can say that's uh, uh, not correct the strength that I look at of our chance to win a championship is Dak and his leadership at that position. If you were constructing the possibility of competing for uh, a Super Bowl, 
uh, I would start on this team. I would start right there with Dak. You you got a different take. I mean, no, I mean, this is it's it's just alarming to me the how much we put on that one position. Look, I think the Cowboys came out flat, and I think the Cowboys came out uninspired off of a bye week against the Packers. Those things can all be true, and I can also still look at it and say, if Dak Prescott today, if Jerry Jones came out and said, you know what, at the end of the year, we're going to put Dak Prescott out on the trade market, there are a boatload of teams that would trip over each other to go trade for him because he is one of the better quarterbacks in the is, is he mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes? No. Are, are most people Patrick Mahomes? No. Like, is he is he paid market value for who he is as a quarterback? I think so. And if you look at the offense right productivity I, I just don't understand where this is coming from I, I it seems like a strange focus uh to make him the weak link and I think also and I don't know if this is what Stephen A's doing I mean he talks about this stuff a lot so I'm sure he's caught up but I feel like we still have sticker shock on quarterbacks that's from a different time the amount that you have to spend now to hang on to a guy like Dak or anybody else that you can win with and because of and not in spite of I don't know if maybe he's thinking about dollar signs too much instead of considering the the ability for Dak to lead this team and to be a, a big piece of it. I mean, I also think it might be recency bias. I didn't like the looks of the Cowboys down the stretch against the Packers. They probably should have won that game. Um, and so maybe that's what he's looking at. Yeah, I also think that there's a coaching uh, angle to all of this. And one of the things we talked about when Cooper Rush was in was how effective play action was. And I'll credit the great team, Stats and Info, for this nugget, but uh, since Dak has come back, he has the third best QBR off play action, top five in the league in completion rate and touchdown passes when coming off of play action. When not coming off play action, there's a huge drop in his productivity. We know what he does well. Right. The question is, are they letting him do what he does well to cook the way that he can cook? And if I'm looking at this team, the weak link for me is the run defense. They've allowed at least 200 yards in consecutive games for the first time in 36 years. Oh my God. Right? I mean, this was a game where as much as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did with the passing, the running game kept everything moving. And so that run defense um, needs to step up. If that's if that's if you're looking for a weak link, that's it for me right now. And of course, their secondary has some issues at times too. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You, you don't want to do a pick for that until tomorrow, or you want to throw out what you're thinking about that matchup? Oh, we got, right I mean, we'll see. I'm not sure if we'll that's one it. of our ESPN okay. Radio pick em challenge. Okay. Jim. So we'll, all we'll, right, we'll got to come back tomorrow, everybody. Yeah. Let's talk Chiefs Chargers. Seven and two Chiefs against the five and four Chargers. The Chargers are such a weird team. I think our expectations for them to take that big step forward obviously has not happened but still a winning record and on the other side a Chiefs team that I was never buying was going to have a massive drop off because of Tariq Hill being gone I think we have seen Patrick Mahomes be able to do a lot with many different weapons and this is still I think that as Mina Kime said the, the cream of the crop yeah, two of the teams that I was the most incorrect about coming into this season. Uh, the Chargers, <laughs> because I thought they had a legitimate Super Bowl chance and they just haven't played that way throughout the course of this season. And the Chiefs, because I thought they were going to take a drop off. I still picked them to make the playoffs, but I didn't think they would be this dominant. And, you know, it speaks to the great job that Andy Reid has done, the great job that Patrick Mahomes has done, the great job that Travis Kelsey does, Eric Bieniemy. Like, the list goes on and on for the Chiefs. They're just a well-coached team that executes, executes at an incredibly high level. And then you have the Chargers, who every year you just scratch your head. I know injuries have been a problem. Injuries are a constant problem for this organization. And uh, obviously Justin Herbert has been very hurt at times over the course of this year, but nothing has looked easy to use the dreaded eye test for the Chargers. Mm. Now, I, 
I am genuinely disappointed in a Chargers team that I thought would be uh, upper echelon in the AFC that looks like instead. They, 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 I still think they're a playoff team, but I don't look at them and think, yeah, guys, this guy, this team this year is headed for the best of the best. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both reported to have a good chance of playing in this Sunday night football be game, huge. so that would obviously be huge for them to get them back. There was a lot of talk before the season started about Brandon Staley not being the guy who could take this team where it needs to go. Is the heat going to be turned up even more if there's another loss coming their way? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and, and Brandon Staley is – we always talk about surprise coach firings at the end of the year. I never root for that for anybody. But if you're an organization looking around, you're going to have to say, man, we have way too much talent to get mm. this little out of it. Like, uh, how many times have I said on this show over the course of this season, Justin Herbert has yet to play in an NFL playoff game. And that that just is crazy for somebody that has been so anointed as one of the best in the league. We also need to figure out what's going on with the Chargers and the Clippers. Uh, they both need some sort of exorcism <laughs> because it's like every darn year. Uh, final game we were going to take a look at quickly here. Jets-Patriots. 6-3 and three Jets versus the 5-4 and four New England squad. Uh, Zach Wilson coming in hot ahead of this one. Um, it, was he warranted to, to kind of talk back to people? Um, and and do you think the Jets have a shot to end a very lengthy losing skid to these Patriots? Yeah, no, I don't think the Jets have a shot. And I'll give you one important stat that I think plays out to this uh, point. Uh, the percentage of pressure without blitzing since week five, the Patriots are third in the NFL in creating pressure without blitzing. Why is that important? Because the QBR of Zach Wilson when he's under pressure is one. That's not a misspeak by me for mm. once. It's one. It would be the second lowest we've ever seen from any player in the last Ooh. 10 years. So when you get at Zach Wilson, he does not play well. So I, I think this just does not play to the strengths of who he is as a quarterback. And Belichick knows this. My God, he's going to he's gonna dial everything up to throw weird pressure at Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson will make mistakes. It'll cost the Jets a game. Yeah, I mean, he made mistakes in that last meeting, October 30th. He had 355 yards and two touchdowns. That was a career high in yards. But he had three interceptions in that loss to the Pats back on October 30th. So um, do you like him saying, I still believe that nobody outside of this building knows what they're talking about? Do you think that that sort of vibe is, is the right mindset? Or do you think at some point... Um, he's, you know, ignoring reality. I think it speaks to who that sort of the swagger he carries himself with. It's not how I would approach it, but you know, he's just, that's his way of at least showing everybody confidence. So we all get off his back maybe, but I don't know. Like that feels young and dumb to say that into a mic because you're just <laughs> opening up all the floodgates. It's Spain and Fitz. Uh, by the way, quick MLB update. Aaron Judge wins the AL MVP. Shocking. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shohei should have won. Coming up, we're less than 30 minutes from Thursday Night Football. We'll get you set for it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.